0: Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Yeah, I'm Andrew Ward. I am on staff here at the Vineyard. And as Adam said, he uh, is very much looking forward to being back with us next week. And after today, you guys will be very much looking forward to him being back next week as well. I know. I'm, I'm fishing for some encouragement. Oh, thanks. You like my pants? Adam texted me this morning and said, do good, Andrew. And I said, well, I'm wearing my green pants, i.e., bringing my A-game. So this is a, this is a physical manifestation of me bringing my best to you guys, literally the best pair of pants that I own. Oh, boy. Why church matters, if it even does. Why church matters. This is the third uh, in a three-part series. Uh, Heather, two weeks ago, brought a great message. Uh, Dr. Ray, last week, and uh, today we're going to wrap that up, and then obviously we're starting uh, Advent next week. Uh, Let's go ahead and put uh, our passage up there, Jonathan. Jonathan. Uh, we'll probably come back to this uh, a little bit. Um, all right, starting with verse uh, 13. Oh, Jonathan, I told you wrong. I'm going to start with 11. That's my bad. I'll just read 11. You don't have to add it. It's okay. Our, we've not even started here. I already messed everything up. <laughs> if Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse, starting with verse 11. Um, there's more. Uh, I'm going to stop there for now. Uh, but I think that's a, a pretty good uh, place to, to launch from in terms of what the Word has to say about the church and the body. So why does church matter? Does it actually matter? Heather mentioned a few weeks ago, so I'm going to uh, circle back to a few things that, that she hit on. Um, is there a single element that you get from this place? And we're, and we're literally talking about the church. We're not so much talking about the global church. We're talking about why go to church? Why be a part of a body of believers like, like this? And is there uh, an element that we offer here that you can't get some other way? Podcast, uh, YouTube, worship, uh, just on your own with your earbuds, um, or meeting with just a really small group of people at Hardened Coffee, Um, and maybe talking about the scriptures a little bit there. All all these are good things, right? So you can get, you know, fellowship, and you can worship, and you can get some teaching through a lot of different ways. Why is it so important that we do it uh, this way? Uh, I'm going to steal the stats that you shared. I'm assuming you actually did research and didn't just make them up. (laughs) So this is from Heather. Um approximately a quarter, 25% of millennials are going to church. That's a pretty low figure. Uh, only about 25% of millennials are going to church compared to about uh, 50% of adults. What was the age range? Like baby boomer-ish. Uh, so, that's a pretty significant drop-off. So, obviously, more and more people are choosing not to do this, not to come to church. So uh, part of that, I'm sure, is because just the, the tide turning away from religion in general. And some of it is even people that love Jesus are choosing other things, other ways uh, to, to hopefully grow in their faith. And, uh, and so there's probably a few reasons that that number is what it is. And so one thing that we see there is that there's an attitude of indifference towards the church. Uh, when I when I speak, I think one of the patterns that I've noticed is that I always like to kind of spend a little time in the counter side of the argument. So we're going to look a little bit for a few minutes on why the church, in the eyes of some, doesn't matter. Uh, so there's an attitude of indifference. And so you see some people that are either completely out of church because they don't see it as being critical or necessary or just kind of halfway committed. Maybe they drop in and out a little bit or... Um, yeah, they're, they're either completely out or just moderately interested in, uh, in being a part of a, of a community of faith such as this. So that's one thing that we see uh, happening. One thing that's trending is an attitude of indifference, that it's not necessarily bad, and it's cool. You know, if you want to go to church, great. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to do this instead. Uh, So that's one of the prevailing attitudes of the day. And then even more uh, negative, I I could say, is that some people view church as something worse than just okay, that it's harmful, all right? Uh, You can hop on Facebook and you can see one of the arguments uh, circling around or circulating around. Uh, in this debate on how to approach terrorism and things like that. And one of the voices that you hear out there is, well, look at all of the terrible things that have been done in the name of Christianity throughout the ages. And they're not wrong. (laughs) A lot of people, supposedly, in the name of the Lord, have done some pretty crazy, awful, terrible things. Wars. Wars. Scandals like we saw, you know, come come to light in the in the Catholic Church a few years ago. Things like that doesn't make us look good as a group. There's certainly a lot of branches in in the faith that uh, never met a protest they didn't like. Never met a boycott they didn't like. Uh, history of discrimination. Whatever, right? Fill in the blank. So a lot of ways, kind of in the global sense, that the church has been, in some ways, harmful. Well, that's not good. And it's easy to see, focusing on some of those examples, why some people would say, no thanks, right? Those are kind of, like I said, some more global, larger issues. But what about personal ways that people can be, can be harmed? You can go to a ch- church for a while, maybe feel ignored. Maybe at some point in a a relationship or friendship feel betrayed. You can be let down. You can be slandered, judged. In some cases, maybe even worse than that, see someone you love betrayed, slandered. Sometimes we have a little more grace when things happen to us. If it happens to somebody we love, watch out, right? That's tough. Um, Let me give you a personal example I, I had actually considered uh, interviewing some people and bringing them up and just letting everybody uh, share some of their horror stories about church life
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that would have been fun
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then the realization hit me that halfway through I might ke- you know catch on that someone was talking about me and I thought I'm not going <laughs> to put myself in that position.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I know that story Oh. I am going to share a personal story uh, of some harm that I did. And that's a fun exercise, you know, to take some time and think, man, how have I hurt people in the church throughout my life?
1: <laughs>
0: I thought of more examples than I thought I would. I'm only going to share one. And I, picked the, I kind of zeroed in on this one because it literally took place inside the church. Physically inside the church. Uh, I grew up in church and uh, was very active in my youth group. And the church uh, that I attended had uh, its own building for the youth. They have their own youth building, which was great. It was really neat. And uh, speaking of harm that the church has done, we were uh, having a lock in, which I think is maybe one of the worst ideas the church has ever come up with, having done a little work in youth ministry. So we were at a lock-in, and we actually had you know a time in the evening where we were going to try and rest. (laughs) Uh, So we were kind of—it was a two-story facility, and so some of the group was downstairs and some of the group was upstairs. And I was in the group that was upstairs. Uh, I was in junior high at the time, and so uh, one of the things that you do in junior high is, uh, in an effort to mask your own raging insecurities, you make fun of other people helps you forget that you're incredibly awkward and insecure. So me and one of my good friends, and we're, we're good kids, we would have been probably labeled as among the, at least in that age group, some of the leaders in, in the group, so we're, we're the good ones. And so uh, I can't remember if we didn't have a leader in our room or if they had already passed out or whatever the scenario was, but we decided to turn our attention to one of the other uh, kids that was there and we just started making fun of him. <laughs> And uh, he wasn't in the room, of course. You know, don't make fun of people to their face. <laughs> he was in the in the the bottom floor, uh, and we came up with some really insulting nickname, uh, just super unkind. And we were just having a great time, laughing at this kid's expense. We were funny. No, we weren't. Uh, anyway, so. That was kind of par for the course. We get together, we make fun of people, and came up with this nickname. All right, so uh, the next day, the lock-in is over, and most people have already began to segue out. And our youth minister, who uh, me and my friend, we idolized. Uh, his opinion mattered so much to us, really, he really did. He was just great, great uh, youth, youth pastor. Uh, at some point, he managed to very slyly work into the conversation um, this nickname that we had come up with. The night before, and you see what had happened was uh, that group of guys, including our youth pastor, was in the floor, was in the room directly below us, and there was a vent in the floor. <laughs> so not only did our youth pastor hear our conversation, but so did that guy. Moral of the story: If you're going to talk about people, check for the air vents. <laughs> you never know. We we hurt that guy, yeah. Um, you might know him. Uh, you, you probably know him better by his name now, Marilyn Manson. He went on to. Beca- I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. That would have been a great story. Yeah, that guy's my fault. Yeah. He. <laughs> no, if you can go to church. And be wounded by the good ones, by the good guys, the people that have it together. What's the point of going? And that's one of the biggest problems with church is that no matter what church you attend, there's going to be people there.
1: (laughs) If only there weren't, you know.
0: Be people in the seats, people on the stage, people making the decisions, and people leading worship and preaching. It's all made up of people. And no matter how good they are, every wonderful, amazing person involved in the church um, can certainly have a moment of weakness where they wound somebody else. All right, so some people are indifferent to the church. Some people think the church is flat-out harmful, so why bother with it? All right, did you know uh, one of the leading causes of death? <laughs> this is a fun message today.
1: <laughs>
0: you know this, uh, automobile accidents, right? Okay, let's talk about automobile death, deaths, let's get it, fun times. About 40,000 people a year a lot of people. In 2001, for example, that's the year, uh, September 11th, and the fun continues. 3,000 people, approximately, died on September 11th. You know how many people died in automobile accidents in that very month? About 3,000, right? About 3,000 a month in the United States died in automobile accidents. So about 40,000 a year. That doesn't include injuries. That doesn't include just the headache of upkeep, putting on tires. Fender benders, insurance claims, all the headaches and risk involved with being with uh, with uh, transport, vehicle transportation like that. Right? How many of you walked today? Anybody ride your bike? Anybody? Thought there might be one bike rider. Is Alex here? Pepper? No. Oh, yep. Yeah. Not today, though. Not today. Horse and carriage. One. All right. Uh, I don't think any of those stats or things I just threw out probably really shocked any of you. Maybe you didn't know the exact number, but I think everybody's pretty aware of the risk and the headache involved with driving cars and vans and motorcycles and all these things, right? And yet, we still do it. Why? Because it's still, in spite of all the risk, the best way to get where we need to go. You see what I did? <laughs> and that's the church. Is there risk? Yeah. Is it still necessary? You better believe it. It's still the best way to get where we need to go and to see where we need to go that's why we started with this passage it gives us some insight into what the church can do and what the church can be and so in spite of the the risk what we need to do is focus on those things and what the church can be so what can the church provide for us now i'm not going to try and hit every single thing but i've i've zeroed in on a, on a few things that i want to that i want to hit on why the church matters, why church matters to me in particular. To be absent from the church is to miss out on the diversity that the church provides. The Bible talks about the importance of gifts. So we we maybe are a little bit familiar with that concept. So, yeah, we know we need the church because we need preachers and teachers and evangelists and prophets and uh, all these people of, you know, varying, you know, giftings and things, right? So we we have a, a little bit of a grit for that. But... In addition to that, we need the other type of diversity that the church provides, personalities, ways of thinking, ways of interpreting the world around us. Those things are important, too. In this very room, there are Kentucky fans, Louisville fans. There might even be a Democrat in here. I know there's some Republicans. There are people who are all aboard the Taylor County School District, and some that are in the Campbellsville School District, Marion County, Greene County, bitter rivals, Campbellsville University, Lindsey Wilson. There are some teetotalers, believe it or not, in our midst. <laughs> our pastor is a winemaker. More than that, he's a wine snob. <laughs> he, would, he would confess to that. Teetotalers and wine drinkers. There are people in our midst, in this room I'm sure, that uh, in in a hope of protecting our people and taking care of our own people, they want to seal up our borders. There are people in this room that want to let everyone in. There are some successful business owners and then there are some people that are really struggling right now to make ends meet in this room. There are some people with Protestant backgrounds and some people with charismatic backgrounds. There are some people in this room probably that have just met Jesus recently. And then there are some people that aren't sure if they're even on board. There are some young families and then there are some with uh, some more life experience. Is that the politically correct way to say yeah, Thank you. There's some hipsters. There's some baby boomers. There's some introverts. There's some extroverts. Uh, it's not unusual on a Sunday for us that obviously we're going to have a lot of natural born American citizens. And sometimes we have some international students, some international people, um, maybe from the university or otherwise. And finally, and maybe most importantly, there are in this room some people that still believe that Peyton Manning can come back and be productive. in and- <laughs> And then there are
1: jerks.
0: (laughs) What is it about this place, this place, that can bring all these people together? And we're not killing each other. I haven't heard any arguments this morning. I'm not saying that doesn't happen in this building from time to time, but everyone seems to be fair. You know, everybody getting along, everybody okay. We're all singing the same songs. Our focus was all on one God. What is it about the church You can bring these people who really disagree on a lot of things seriously? Like these, some of those issues, some not as much, but some of these things are important things. It's okay to argue, you know. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but we're all together. One reason that it's important that we participate in the church is that it it can help keep us from becoming one-dimensional caricatures. I'm on Facebook a lot. So what I'm about to say in the next few minutes is not a condemnation of Facebook. I promote my businesses a lot. I'm on there for the church. I'm on there just for fun. Whatever. I, I like Facebook. But I will say this about Facebook. It's really easy to take a stand. And if you're listening on the audio archive, I'm using air quotes. <laughs> a stand. It's really easy to take a stand on Facebook because it, it's easier that way to dehumanize people. You want to defund Planned Parenthood. You don't want it defunded. Um, Has anyone in this room ever had your opinion swayed by a sharply worded meme? You know, I never thought of that. Changed my whole life. If, If your answer to that question is yes, you're probably the first person that that's ever happened to. No, we get on there, and really, mainly what that is, is we're preaching to our own choirs. You know, it's that whole polarization thing, so people that, that agree with you see your post, and people that don't, ignore it. If there actually are people in the world who don't haven't made their decisions, haven't made up their minds on controversial topics, if they're even remotely rational, they're probably not going to Facebook to make up their mind. So if your hope is actually swaying someone's decision on something, it could probably be better spent putting that attention in another, another form. But it's easy to dehumanize people. And that's just not a Facebook thing. That's just part of our culture right now is we like to vilify people who disagree with us. Now, I personally, I, I lean pretty conservative. I, I don't mind saying that. I'm a pretty conservative person. I do I tend to vote Republican. Sure. The last presidential election uh, I was dialoguing with a friend of mine we fairly close not super not close enough that I knew this until this conversation. Uh, but found out he was voting for the other candidate. And that challenged me a little bit because you know our, our culture especially the the church really tends to throw its Attention one particular way. And so it was easy for me to take for granted that this person may not see the world exactly the same way that I do. And this is a person who I really trust. Still trust. Didn't change my opinion of him. Well, he's voting that way, we're done. No. (laughs) This is a guy who's given his heart and his life to Jesus. Loves the Lord. Very compassionate person. And we didn't have a heated discussion. We just talked. You know, we shared our viewpoints. And I understood where he was coming from. He understood where I was coming from. He didn't change my mind on anything. I didn't change his mind on anything. Um, But that was a good challenge for me to encounter that. And then again, a little bit later in that electoral season, uh, we had a night of prayer here for the election. And he was there. And I caught myself and, and I, there was a, to me, a fair it, it wasn't spoken up front, but I knew, I just knew the vibe in the room <clears throat> that almost everyone was praying for one particular side to win. But I knew that this person over here didn't feel the same way we did. And so what that did was that gave me a kingdom perspective. You know, I'm not going to pray for this person to win. I'm going to ask for God's will to be done. I know who I think should win. He knows who should win. And I'm going to ask for His will to be done. Because I knew that other guy's heart. And I knew it was good. And I knew he was thoughtful. And so, the idea of me praying trying to shut down somebody else's prayer in the room. God, don't listen to him. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) My guy. Take it from me. (laughs) Look, debate is good. Issues are important. You know, I'm not saying there shouldn't be room to argue with each other or debate. Sure. But... When we do church together, it can remind us not to vilify the people who disagree with us. It helps us maintain a kingdom perspective and not a Facebook perspective. (laughs) And for a believer to avoid the church is to position themselves to become hard-hearted and thick-headed towards people. And as Christians, we are often too concerned with winning our arguments with people for Jesus. That we forget that Jesus was infinitely more concerned with simply winning people. We need to win the person, not the argument. Being embedded in a diverse community can help protect us from dehumanizing each other. And that's one reason why the church matters. Another reason the church matters is because it can be a source of encouragement through struggles. All right? So, whatever you're going through, it is helpful to walk side by side with someone who's going through the same thing. It's also helpful to be able to look around the room and know that somebody else has already come through that struggle. So whatever you're going through, somebody's probably gone through it. Somebody's probably going through it right now. So if you've lost a loved one, if your relationship came to a, a disappointing end, if you're in college and you're flipping out because you don't know what to do with your life, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're struggling with an addiction, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, whatever. Fill in the blank. Whatever you're going through, somebody here, especially when you're talking about a a church kind of this size, especially. Somebody's going through it. And somebody else in the room has been through it and is on the other side. So it's encouraging, not in a misery loves company kind of way, but in a, if you're willing to seek some help and become vulnerable way, you can get some help. Encouraging in that way. All right. So, uh, again, personal story about me. Uh, I'm aware that I have a reputation for being a nice person. <laughs> I've heard that rumor. If you, uh, I don't know everybody in the room, so if you don't know me, you'll just have to take my word for it. <laughs> I'm a pretty optimistic person. That's my nature. Pretty optimistic. What you may not know about me is I'm a doubter. Scandal.
1: <laughs>
0: Minister confesses to being a doubter.
1: <laughs>
0: News it that. A doubter. <laughs> I don't think that's inherently inherent inherently inherently bad. I have doubts. I think Thomas, the disciple, doubting Thomas, gets a bad rap. If Jesus walked through the door right now, some of you would immediately puddle at his feet. I'm sure I would greet him warmly. But I would probably ask to see some ID. (laughs) Just, you know, a lot of people wear the beards and the (laughs) robes. Let's let's know what we're dealing with here. This is what I have found to be true. The process of doubt can make you stronger depending on how you process it. And in my opinion, the key to processing it in a healthy way is to do it in the context of community. It's the best way to process doubt. As I've wrestled with certain doubts over my lifetime, they have... uh, Over time, they lose their power. Be a season. Um, Some will... There will be small, some small victories, some setbacks, and it will pop back up over time. But as I continue to process, continue to wrestle with it, over time it loses its power. And then I move on to something else. And repeat the process. Work through that. And so on. The early part of my walk with the Lord, I doubted my faith. Not so much that God existed, but whether or not my relationship with Him was real. Am I on the inside? Or am I on... Still kind of on the outside looking in. Did I really know Jesus? Like Heather and D-Ray, they both mentioned this in their messages. I grew up in the church. Um, Don't really remember a time. Not going to church. I was baptized when I was eight. Um, And in junior and senior high, you know, in that stage of my life, I started noticing other people's stories about coming to Jesus and how dramatic they were. They were, this, you know, this rotten person. They met the Lord; and everything changed. And I was seeing some of this reinforced in Scripture. You know, setting away your old life. You know, hearing repentance defined as going one direction and doing a one eighty and going back the other way. And I'm thinking, I don't feel any different than what I was before. Really, I was. Eight.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a pretty good kid. Not in too much trouble, not too rebellious. I couldn't relate to those stories at all. To me, uh, entering into a relationship with Jesus is like marriage. And the stories that I was hearing were like love at first sight stories. They met that person. They fell in love instantly. And there will never be another. Just fall madly in love. My experience, my marriage to Jesus was more like an arranged marriage. (laughs) Mom and dad introduced me. I thought, oh, okay, sure, whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: These guys, mom and dad, they—they they seem to have my best interest at heart. They've fed me and clothed me and generally take good care of me. They think I should follow this guy. All right, yeah, okay, sign me up. So, seeing the love at first sight, people challenged me in a profound way. <laughs> We did Fiddler on the Roof last summer. If you're not familiar with it, the, uh, the, uh, the heroes of the story, uh, the two leads, one of which was played by Ray Hollenbaum. <laughs> Suzanne's not here. Um, at the end, toward the end of the, of the show, spoiler alert, if you're holding out and you still haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> cover your ears. They take stock of their life. And they sing a song together and they realize, even though they had an arranged marriage, they realize that over the course of time that they have grown to love each other. So sweet. And beautifully portrayed. I have zero stats to back this up. Zero. Okay. 99%... (laughs) I am going to go out on a limb and say, in the culture of arranged marriages, the divorce rate is probably pretty low. Maybe it's not. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's probably pretty low. Because uh, the emphasis on the front end is the commitment to each other and the commitment to learn how to, how to love each other as you go, uh, which is why Sarah and I are definitely going that route with our kids. <laughs> we are taking applications. So the love at first sight people that met Jesus really challenged me. I couldn't relate to it at all, and so, uh, so I struggled with that. Do I really know? I, that's not my story. Now, even though I did start becoming more aware of the presence of the Lord, started encountering, encounter, encountering the Lord a little bit more through high school and middle school and high school, I continued to be troubled. Can, continued to be troubled by this. So much so that. I decided to get baptized again in high school, Um, which I really think they should do like a punch card, like third baptism, you should get something free, like a monogrammed robe when you get out or something, I don't know. But here's the crazy part, I get baptized again, I'm thinking, yeah, you're supposed to get baptized after you get saved, I think I was a little bit more saved in middle school, I started experiencing the Lord, I was doing all the math, I'll get baptized again, I got baptized again. And the doubts persisted. I didn't feel any different. There was no dove waiting for me when I got out of the water. Nobody in my circle was speaking in tongues at that time. So none of that was going on. Like nothing radical happened. Nothing radical changed. Nothing was different. So this is what really helped me process my doubts. And finally move past that particular struggle, was when I stopped focusing on the people whose experiences were different and started noticing the people whose experiences were similar. There's something so funny about the fact that we can have so much more grace for other people than we do for ourselves. And so I could look at some of my friends who grew up in the church and had a salvation experience that was as subtle as mine, and I would have zero doubt. Yeah, Jesus loves them. They know Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus their whole life. And so when you see those people and you can turn it to yourself, man, it changes things. Thank God that those people were in my life. I don't know what the trajectory would have been if they weren't. It would have been easy for me to to begin to feel so outside and and that the Lord's back had uh, been turned to me. It wasn't the case, but I could have taken it that way. So being in a community, being in a place where I could see people that were experiencing similar things changed the trajectory of my life. So thank God that they were in my life. So now it's other stuff. Now I doubt other things. Now I doubt, is this healing thing real? Sometimes people get better. Sometimes they don't. Um. You know, what's, what's, the heart, what's the Lord's heart towards this? You know, is He pulling all the strings? Is there, what's, what's going on? You know, so those are different kinds of things that you know that I wrestle with now. But here's the thing: now I'm not intimidated by my doubts, and I'm not ashamed of them. And that wouldn't be the case if I didn't have the church, because I know that I'll get through it, and I'm okay with the process. I'm okay with wrestling with things. It's like. Bench pressing with a lot of weight. If you're bench pressing with a lot of weight, the end result can be that you get stronger. If you do it incorrectly, the results can be catastrophic. And sometimes the difference is having people to spot you. And that's another reason why church matters. You need people to spot you. One last thing. I'm probably running a little bit long. Another reason why church matters is it's key. It's a key to the full life, the good kind of life. Can you get most of the things that you get here from somewhere else? Yeah. What do you need to survive? Like, literally, what do you need to survive? Food, Food, water, water, Shelter. shelter. Food, water, shelter. So, if you have the choice between a can of soup every night, a covering, some rudimentary covering, and some water, maybe a blanket. Or a house, healthy diet, heat, air, friends? What do you choose? Can you survive without the church? Some people do. Some people have to around the world. Why would anybody choose that unless they had to? There's a difference between surviving and thriving. There's a difference between just making it and having this kind of experience that was in Ephesians that I've only referenced once. The whole message. We believe the Bible, we do. It's important. I forgot to put in my notes to go back to the scripture a couple of times. Yeah, I'm gonna thank you for being my practice test audience. I'm gonna fix everything for the second service. Um, (laughs) Difference between surviving and thriving. Who wouldn't choose more? And see, one thing about church is knowing the kids, knowing the other kids, is a great way to know the father better. If I would never, never met Heather and Summer and Kendall and had only met Dr. Ray, I would know Dr. Ray. I would know a lot about him. I'm sure we'd still be friends. But there's something about knowing those guys that helps me know Dr. Ray even better. He came to <laughs> Both of them. Knowing the kids is a, is a way to better know the Father. So church is one of the keys to the full kind of life, the good kind of life. So I thank God for Sarah, my wife, because she is insight into the Father that I need. I thank God for Marcus. I thank God for Mike Ostrander who challenges me. He is a lightning rod for the presence of the Lord that challenges me in such a good way. I thank God for P. Ray. I thank God for Matt Despain, who is infinitely nicer than me. So far today, all that Matt has done for me just today is he has removed a rabid raccoon from our front porch. (laughs) This is not a joke. (laughs) And I was in here, and so he helped bring our twins and kids in from the van in the cold weather the only reason he hasn't given me the shirt off his back is because I haven't asked for it. I thank God for Matt this thing. I thank God for the new believers who have no idea how encouraging their stories are to people like me and Adam. People that, you know, we get run down and then we see somebody come into a relationship with the Lord and they have no idea what that does for our hearts. I thank God for the for the guy I was talking about earlier, who had such a different worldview, and it gave me more insight into the kingdom and how God sees His people. Knowing kids is a better way. To know know the Father. All right, so why does church matter? Lots of reasons. It matters because we need the diversity of the church. It helps us keep a kingdom perspective. Uh, We need the church because it helps us process our struggles. We need the church because it is a key to the full kind of life. Hannah, you want to come up? Ministry team, come on up. Uh, This is what we're going to (coughs) do. Hannah is going to lead us in the doxology. I'm going to I'm going to pray, and then she's going to. We've been doing this for uh, this is the month of thanks. Yeah, let me grab two of you over here. We'll go with symmetry. (laughs) <laughs> um, i'm gonna pray hannah's gonna lead uh, our doxology um you can stand you can go ahead and stand um and then after after uh, the song you'll be dismissed you'll be free to go uh but if you need anything if you need prayer if you're sick in your body you're discouraged whatever any kind of need. These are trained professionals.
1: <laughs>
0: no, but they would, they would love to pray for you. Okay? All right. Jesus, we love you. Help us to love you more. And help us to love your church. We thank you for it. In all its imperfections. and all the risk. We thank you. Because it is in part your gift to us. We thank you for that. Yeah, we love you. Thank you, Lord.
1: Okay, this is Thanksgiving week, and I know we have a lot to be thankful for. So let's just sing from our hearts. (laughs) Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
0: again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.